The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. This morning we're beginning on our series which is going to take us through the summer and the series is called Marked. Marked in two ways. A number of the, the sermons, the messages are going to come from the Gospel of Mark. So that makes sense. But also, what we are noticing in the Gospels and the messages that are going to come to us is that God marks things on our lives. He wants to leave an imprint on our lives. So we're taking messages from Mark, although not all of them are going to come from Mark, and we're believing that as we receive these messages, God is going to mark them onto our lives so that we can have the impact and the understanding of what he wants to bring. And it's not only me that's going to be preaching. Over these next six weeks, there's going to be three Sundays where you're going to have two preachers on each Sunday. We're having some people from the congregation going to be bringing some messages to us. So it's all going to be a bit different, and I hope you're going to enjoy this series of Marked uh, and what it's going to do for us. Today's title is called Don't Be Afraid, Just Believe. Don't Be Afraid, Just Believe. And today we're going to be looking at something out of Mark chapter 5, which is the story of Jairus. Jairus from Mark chapter 5. But before we go into that story, I want to set the scene a little bit from the Gospel of Mark and from what is actually happening in this situation. And so we're going to read some scripture, which is going to come up on the screens. Mark's chapter 1, I'm going to read Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through to verse 45. Let me just pray before we do that. Father, we're asking for the presence of your glory in this place. We're praying, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would minister into our hearts. Our hearts are often hardened and stubborn, but Father, we want hearts that are soft and that are open to receive your word. So Father, move in this place. Every person, oh God, hover and brood over them, Holy Spirit, that Lord, that you may accomplish your will and your purpose in this time. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mark 1, chapter 1, verse 21. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching? And with authority. He even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick 
and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began talking freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places, yet the people still came to him from everywhere. So that's just the, the end section of the first chapter of Mark, and we have this picture of Jesus. He's been driving out demons in the synagogue in Capernaum. He's been healing Simon and Andrew's, or Simon Peter's mother-in-law. He's been healing many from the town and casting out demons. He's been traveling throughout Galilee, preaching and casting out demons. He's healed a man with leprosy. And if we were to go on into Mark, then in chapters 2 to 5, we see him healing a man who is paralyzed, being let down through the roof. We see him calming a storm on the lake. We see him casting out many demons from a man in the Gerasenes. Lots of things happening. In fact, let me just take you to this area. We've got a map that I want to show you. And this is, the map just says Galilean ministry. But here is the Sea of Galilee. And, and if you like, this... Where the dot is now, that's about 15 miles away from the Sea of Galilee. So you can see it's like 30 miles from where the dot is to the end of the map. It's not a very big area. It just gives us this understanding of actually what it is like. Now on this map is marked various things from various of the Gospels. Uh, for instance, this is where Capernaum is. So this is where Jesus was preaching in the synagogue. And when he went across the lake to the other side, to the man with the Gerasenes, he went to this area here. So they went right across the Lake of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee. Over here is Cana, where Jesus did his first miracle. If I get down here is Nazareth. You can't, you can't see. I'm sorry about that. For these people, you just had your turn. For these people over here, look. This is about 15 miles. If you've heard this before, just ignore that. It's about 50, 30 miles across here. Okay, that's about 30 miles. Sea of Galilee in the middle. Capernaum is right here. And Jesus traveled across the lake, storm on this lake, traveled across to here to the Gerasenes where he delivered a man of many demons. Capernaum is where he'd been preaching, what we've just been talking about. Cana is where he changed the water into wine. Nazareth is where he lived. This whole area, what I want you to see is this whole area was being impacted by what Jesus was doing. 
We know Jesus as who? The Son of God. We know he's God. We know he's come down. Hang on a second. These people knew a man, a man called Jesus. Because he was a man. He was God. He was the Son of God. But he was a man. He laid aside his majesty. Everything about his godliness, he laid aside to come down to earth as a man. And here in this region, by the Sea of Galilee, there was a man called Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth, who through the power of the Holy Spirit did signs, wonders, and miracles among the people. But he was a man. They knew him as the carpenter. They interacted with him. He was a man. And this was a problem for them because this man was doing things abundantly above what they were expecting. So this man, Jesus, and they're all religious. They go to the synagogue on Saturday. That's what they do. They're the Jewish people. So they're all religious. This guy, Jesus, he's religious. But he gets up, and like others who have spoken in the synagogue before, he comes into the synagogue, and he starts to preach. And as he's preaching, they're thinking, this guy's got authority. What are you telling me the synagogue ruler didn't have authority? Yes, he did. He was the ruler of the synagogue. So he had authority. So what did they mean? They meant there was another dimension to this man, Jesus. And that was seen. As he's preaching, somebody starts violently shaking and shrieking out, we know who you are, the Holy One of God. You see, the demons know who Jesus is. It's still true today. In the spiritual realm, the demons know who Jesus is. When you clothe a spirit with flesh, so many people don't know who he is because we get blinded in our minds. That is the same today. But the demonic world knows who Jesus is. And there, this man who was suffering with demonic oppression, as people in this place are suffering from demonic oppression. And if suddenly somebody was to start shrieking, that demon will have to go in the name of Jesus. This happened in the service. So you can imagine if this was to happen right now. And when it says shrieking, it means shrieking. Okay? You know, and when it says shaking violently, it means shaking violently. I've seen it happen with people, and it's violent. And you know that that's not normal behavior. So they're like, wow, we had a bit of a meeting. Usually this guy, Jesus, he was preaching. He has authority. When he speaks to the demons, they come out. And then later on, all these things are happening, and the word gets out, oh, he's healed Simon's mother-in-law. You know, she was sick. That's been heard in Capernaum. Guess what? The town of Capernaum, everybody who's sick and wants to get healed is at the door. And people are getting healed, and people are getting delivered don't you think the news about Jesus spread quickly? Especially only over this small area, just some 30 miles around that lake. Everybody knew. Who is this guy, Jesus? What manner of man is this? That's what was said by the disciples when they saw him on the lake and he was calming the storm. They said, what sort of guy is this? Because they were struggling to come to understand this isn't just a man, this is God in man. They're struggling to understand who he is. Are you struggling to understand who Jesus is? Jesus is the son of God, and yet like you, he is a man in human form, and he is still a man in heaven, because he has ascended in heaven. So what I want you to understand is that they knew 
something was about this man, Jesus. And just to underline the fact that Jesus wasn't using his, the fact that he was God. He had laid that aside because Jesus said, I can do nothing of myself. I only do the things that I see my Father doing. He operated only under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now that needs to give each of us encouragement. Because in the church, where God has said it is through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to the powers and the principalities. It is through the church that God wants to show the world that God is alive. And so he wants us to do signs, wonders, and miracles too. Through the power of Jesus Christ. And just as Jesus did that through the power of the Spirit, so we also can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. That is what we are here to do. But anyway, I'm just setting a scene here for when we, kind of can't, we want to come and talk about Jairus. Because when we get to Mark chapter 5, we're introduced to this man Jairus. Jairus he is in this region, somewhere in this region. It doesn't actually specify his town. It says that in this region there is a synagogue ruler, if you like, a local pastor, just like myself. He's just a guy who's running a local synagogue. He's there. His name is Jairus. He has a 12-year-old daughter. And she's sick. Well, actually, she's more than sick. She's seriously ill. In fact, it's not just seriously ill. She's dying. He has a 12-year-old daughter, and she is dying. And Jairus, and I'm sure his wife as well, and those family members around them, they were desperate because of this awful situation that they were being faced with. How desperate are you? What situations are you facing in your life? What are the challenges that, are that have come to you? Different challenges for different members here. Different situations for different people. But what are the challenges you are facing? Let me ask you, are those challenges taking you to a place where you are so desperate you want to meet with Jesus? Because let's be honest, not every challenge takes us to that place. We can be, oh, I can cope. I'll get by. Don't worry, just, just say a prayer for me. Jairus wasn't in that place. Jairus, as the leader of this synagogue, was desperate, and he was desperate to meet Jesus. Let's go and read some of his story. Mark chapter 5, verse 21, we break in on it. We're going to read 21 to 24. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, and now you can picture that in your mind, he's going across the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was there by the lake, then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there, seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet. Now, just saying, he'd been across the Gerasenes. He'd been right across the lake to that place where he'd delivered the man from many, many demons. Legion is my name, that man. And now he's come back across the lake. Okay. So he's come across the lake, and he's been inundated with people. Why? Because they've heard all the stuff about this man, Jesus. This guy is healing people. This guy is setting people free. This guy has interest in us. I, I, do you want your life changed? Have you got sickness that's been going on for a long while? Have you prayed and nothing has happened? Isn't there something still within you? I want to be free. I want to be set free from this. There are people all over this region that have got those burdens. Some who weren't at the door at Capernaum. Some who had missed out on that situation. They are looking for Jesus. Jesus comes up in the boat, so there's a massive crowd that have gathered around him. And Jairus is there. Verse, uh, verse 22, Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there, seeing Jesus, 
he fell at his feet. That means he went to Jesus and he fell down. He went straight down to him to get his attention because he wanted Jesus. And it says, verse 23, and pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. You can hear the desperation in him. My daughter is dying. Will you come? Will you come? There's other people that are pressing in. There are other people who are wanting. There are other people that may think that they are in a better position and more worthwhile position for Jesus' attention. But Jairus wants Jesus because he's seen and heard what Jesus has done. Listen, we've read these stories. So there's no excuse for us saying we don't know what Jesus can do. There's no excuse for us. What we need to find is a desperation in our hearts that says that Jesus is the only one who can meet my need. There needs to be a desperation that comes to us. There was a desperation that came to Jairus. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. Notice the faith that is operating in his heart right now. That faith needs to operate in our hearts. You see, in our present-day society, we hear of those, oh, you had a cold and we prayed for you, you got better. There's a sort of like a, 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 just a, a level one that we've come to. We need to move up to a much higher level where we say, demons, they must come out in Jesus' name. Because we want to see people being set free. Sickness, I lay my hands on you because in the word of God it says, they will lay their hands on sick people and they shall recover. And in my name it says, you shall cast out demons. This is the word of God and we need to take hold of that word. We need to, be, we need to stop being intimidated by the past. We need to be empowered by our faith in Jesus for what lies ahead. That is where we need to be. Jairus had got to this place where he'd seen and heard enough to know that Jesus was the answer that he needed. And therefore, he laid hold of Jesus. Verse 24, it says, So Jesus went with him. Jairus must have been thinking, I'm not all the way there yet, but I'm about part of the way there. Jesus is coming. If Jesus came into this room now, I came up to where you were and said, listen, I know all about your needs. I'm coming home with you to help you. Would you not be overjoyed? I think I would just start weeping. Jairus was in that situation because Jesus was with him and was going with him. I wonder with Jesus that actually ever spoken in the synagogue that Jairus was a leader of. I wonder if he'd ever had that, whether he knew the place where Jairus was working, if you like, where he had his life. I don't know. We're not told of that. All we know is that Jesus was going with him. And you can imagine, this, this is a crowd, this is like all of us plus hundreds of others. There's a big crowd and so it's like me leading out, okay, come on, and we're going off with Jairus, and we're going to walk out, so we're going out to church, and people are coming, people are coming around, people are pressing in, and so you're going up Bromley High Street, and there's other people around, and it's bustly, and people are all hogging, and Jesus is moving on, 
And in the midst of all of that thing that's happening, all of that that's going on, all of the determination for Jairus to get to his daughter, to get to his house, to get to see his daughter, and Jesus stops in the middle of this melee and says, who touched me? Well, I mean, to be honest, when you, when you put it into its context, you think, like, don't be ridiculous. Everybody's touching you. Everybody is around. And I can't stop on this story because I know somebody's going to speak about it in a few weeks' time. And I know what it's like if you feel like your thunder's been taken. So let me just say this. There was a lady there with women's problems. And you know what it's like when anybody says, you know, what are you in the doctors for? I don't ever... There's a bit of lip movement, and that's as far as it goes. Okay, I won't ask anymore. She had some of those problems, but Jesus dealt with those situations. And that's great. You know, I guess Jairus is thinking, oh, wow. But inside, Jairus is saying, don't stop. Don't stop. I need you to get to my home. So whilst there's all this, you know, we know what you're like, Jesus, and it's great you're helping others. And so you can imagine that feeling, having had this interaction with this woman and all the stuff that's going on around them. Inside, Jairus is yelling, I'm sure, hurry up! Because there is a desperate situation. And as that cry or that thought, because it doesn't actually come out that we can see in Scripture, but as that thought certainly must have been there, hurry up, Jesus, some people come from Jairus' house to there they are, to find Jairus. And as we go on into Mark 5.35, while Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Uh, You can feel the desperation of this. There had been hope for Jairus. He had put himself out there. He'd gone the distance. He'd gone before Jesus. He'd gone on his knees. He'd called out to him. He'd managed to get Jesus' attention. He'd managed to get Jesus to come with him. There's this woman that stopped Jesus. And now this news. The one that you love the motivation for this whole thing. She's dead. And so rightly, the people are saying, why bother Jesus anymore? I feel that this is a situation that speaks to us. Isn't this where we get to? Where we've seen the things of Jesus, we've read the things of Jesus, we've been among people who have talked about the things of Jesus, we've raised our hopes, we came to Jesus... We ask for healing, we ask for freedom, we ask for all sorts of things, but nothing seems to have happened. It feels like something dies within us. And our response often is, well, well, why bother Jesus with that anymore? I'll just let that go. And there's a sense in which suddenly you find yourself walking away from Jesus. But what is Jesus's? response in the midst of this. Because let's face facts, as far as we are concerned, it's now too late. The situation is over. 
Jairus' daughter is dead. And therefore there is no real need to bother Jesus. Why bother Jesus anymore? We can get to that place. But we have to remember who Jesus is. Jesus is a man, but all authority in heaven on earth belongs to him. All authority. There is no other name that is higher than the name of Jesus. You know, he who was in the beginning, he wasn't called Jesus, he was called the Word of God. But now he has been given a name that is above every other name. So whereas Jesus had the name Logos, the Word, he was given a name Jesus when he was born on earth. And Jesus shall save his people from his sins. And at the name of Jesus, the demons shall flee. For there has been given to this man a name that is above every other name. The name of Jesus is the name that is above everything. This name is above sickness. This name is above disappointment. This name is above confusion. This name is above uh, all of that stuff that comes upon us that causes us to think, he doesn't care about me. I am not going to be healed. He can't do those things anymore. His name is above every one of those objections and things that comes against us. For his name is higher than any other name. All authority in heaven on earth belongs to him. And he is alive and waiting to hear our prayers. Mark 5, 36 It starts off with this wonderful word, ignoring. Ignoring what they said. Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. (laughs) What? Put yourself in his position. Put yourself in his position with your problems. Because haven't we got to that place where we thought you, you can't do it? You're unable to reach this. You're unable to help me. You you seem to want to help others. Those that are in Africa or India or or other persecuted countries, you, you want to help them. But what about us here? Have you forgotten about us? Jesus is saying the same to us. Listen. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of all of those things that come against your mind. Don't be afraid of the intimidations. Don't be afraid of what others think or what you even think of yourself or even what you think about me. Just believe. Believe. Just believe that I am able. The reason that Jairus had got to this place is because he had done that. He'd seen and he believes. In these days, Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe, who have not seen, and yet believe. So, don't be afraid, Jesus says, just believe. Then he says, he did not let anyone else follow him, except Peter, James, John, and John, the brother of James. So we've got this scene, whether we're in the marketplace or whatever, with the woman, and the woman is rejoicing because she's been healed, although I mustn't tell you that, because that's for another time. And all the crowd around, and suddenly this situation has come, and Jesus ministers into the depth of this situation, the brokenness. Because all hope was taken out by the deliverers of the news. She's dead, don't bother the teacher anymore. But Jesus is saying, I'm ignoring that. Listen, don't be afraid, 
just believe. Now he's separating things out. Okay, look. Okay, you lot, you need to stay here. I'm just taking these guys with me. We're going. So now it's gone from a big crowd to a very small crowd. A very few people. So Jesus has led away Jairus, Peter, James, and John. And they have gone off. What do you think was going through Jairus' head on the way to his house now? I mean, Jesus is still with him. He's being told, don't be afraid, believe. What? I don't know whether you know what to think. What do you think? Would he have thought it's possible for him to raise the dead? And this hasn't been done at this point? What? I, I don't know what Jairus was thinking. And I take encouragement from that because it's not as though Jairus was, well, I'm believing that this man, Jesus, can do this, 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 this. I've got absolute trust. I, I don't think he was anything like that. I think he was a quivering wreck who didn't know where to put his thoughts, who didn't know what to do. But Jesus had taken hold of him and was leading him in the way he should go. Can we take encouragement from that? That in the midst of our situations, when we feel like, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to think. Are you there? Have you gone on holiday? Is the answer machine on? Why won't you answer? You said you seem to be answering in church last week to the person sitting next to me. Have you forgotten about me? Am I of no little value? Jesus has not ever forgotten about you. He knows who you are. He knows where you are. He knows your circumstances. He has declared over your life, I love you. And he has declared over your life, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm always going to be with you. That is what he's saying. We need to be strengthened by this word. And in the midst of our confusion, we need to follow Jesus still. So we're going back to our homes. We don't know what's going on. You know, is the right coming, the left coming? What's happening to me? I don't know what's going on in Jairus' mind, but I know this. Fear disrupts faith. You know, when we take that picture of, of Peter, when he had seen Jesus walking on the water, G Peter and the other disciples were in the boat. You remember the story. They're in the boat. It's rough, and they've been crossing over the lake because Jesus said, go to the other side. So they're going there, rowing and all, whatever they're doing, and they see Jesus walking on the water. Now, that's a bit disturbing, isn't it? Because still, let's get this understanding. They were working on the fact that he was the Messiah. What they knew was he was a man. Okay. Get it in your mind. They were working on this fact. So here's a guy, and he's just walking on the water. <laughs> it's, wow. But Peter, being the type of character he is, he's saying, like, walking on the water. Can men do that? Yeah, yeah, men can do that. Okay, well, will you ask me to come? Peter, come. He's up and out of the boat, and he is stepping on the water. But it says of Peter, when he saw the wind, and the waves. In other words, when he got distracted by the purpose, Jesus had said, come. That was a word, and he was walking on that word, as it were. He was holding on to the faith of that word. He was believing in what Jesus said. But when he saw what was going on around him, oh my goodness, this is a rough sea. Oh my goodness, that's heavy winds. What am I going to do? When those things came, and he looked at them, then he says he started to sink. You see, fear comes against our faith. How much fear is there in your life? Let me tell you this. Perfect love casts out fear. Who gets afraid? Listen, we all get afraid, so let's not pretend that anybody shouldn't have their hand in the air. 
because there are different circumstances at different levels of fear, but I know this. Our job as Christians is to be holding on to the fact that he loves us. It's what the word of God says. It's not about your feelings. Our feelings tell us, oh no, he's forgotten about me. There are other worthy people. The word of God says, listen, I have loved you from before you were even conceived. I have called you as my own. I have plans and purposes for your life. You are loved by me. That's what God wants to say to us. We need to get hold of that word so that we begin to understand because as we receive the word that we are loved, so the love of God fills our hearts and perfect love casts out fear. It doesn't happen like that. It happens because we are trusting and believing and standing on the promises of what God has said. So, you know, like if your life is full of fear, it's not like, oh, suddenly it's all changed. Though God can make those changes. But we need to walk in a way so that fear does not diminish our faith and take away our faith. But we know that fear can do that. Fear can disrupt faith. But we need to hold on to faith. So Jairus, I don't know where he was. He was probably in the midst of that battle, in the midst of confusion of what was going on. Mark, as we continue in the story, Mark 5, where are we with time? Mark 5, 38, it says this. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, at last, at last we're here. When they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying, and wailing loudly. When he went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him. Why did they laugh at him? Because he was saying something that appeared ridiculous to them. Don't be stupid, we know she's dead. So what else can you do? You can just, you're being stupid. And that's where their position is. They laughed at him, It's interesting, isn't it? Jairus has got a tough position. He's with Jesus. He's been told not to be afraid but to believe. He comes to the home, and as he gets to the home, there are more challenges. He's being faced with public opinion, which he's being based on the facts around him. The same thing can happen to us when we come to a service or when we're seeking for some God to do something in our lives. Public opinion can be weighing around us. Everybody's saying, well, I don't think God can do that. It takes desperation in our hearts to hold on to him and to know that he is for us. So Jairus is battling with that whole thing. Why your daughter's dead? Why bother him anymore? And yet at the same time, he's hearing Jesus saying, she's only asleep, don't worry. Which one are you going to listen to? Public opinion? Or what Jesus says. How are we feeling? We all want to say we want to listen to what Jesus says. But how is it for us in the midst of public opinion? How is it in the midst of us with our own mindset? Because it's not only public opinion. We have what's going on in our minds. I know my heart is saying Jesus is good. But my mind is saying, but he hasn't helped me yet. So you see, there's not just public opinion we have to arrest. It's what the enemy can throw into our minds as well. 
So Jesus says, the child is not dead but asleep. And verse 40, it says, but they laughed at him. After he put them all out, so he gets everybody out, everybody out. He took the child's father and mother. So this is Jairus and his wife and the disciples, and they went in to where the child was. Jesus, it says, he took her by the hand, and he says, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. I love this next bit. At this, they were completely astonished. I find that an encouragement. Because you see, all along, you might have been thinking like Jairus, I knew Jesus was going to do this. I'm so certain. And there is a sense that our faith needs to be absolutely certain. And yet when it comes to the point, wow, they are completely surprised at the wonder of heaven that has been poured out upon them. This girl who was sick and had died is now alive and the whole family can rejoice. They were completely astonished. Jesus, it says, he gave strict instructions not to let anyone know about this and told them to give us something to eat. Well, I'm sure they were quite happy to give us something to eat. Okay, like, you want a sandwich? Packet of crisps? Quickly, have a snack, whatever you need. That's fine. If you want fish and chips, don't worry about the expense. We'll pay for anything because you're alive. They were doing that. But do you think they did the other thing? Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Come on! You all said that she was dead. She was sleeping. No, she's been up. The whole place is in uproar because of the wonder of what Jesus can do. Listen, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe. I want those words to come into my heart as I want them to come into your own hearts. Because we're we're facing things... My daughter, praise God, she's not sick unto death. She's here, alive. you're alive, aren't you, Charlotte? In the front row. I don't have to worry about that. But there are other concerns that I have in my life. There are all sorts of different concerns you have in your life. Varying from, am I ever going to get over this sickness that's not unto death, but it is causing me a lot of problems? Are my family members ever going to get saved? What is my purpose here in life? What are, how do I fit? How do I belong? What about relationships? How do I get from being single to being married? How does life seem to take on a new turn? How can I find that new job? How, all of the things of life that are different for every one of us but affect us. The word of God is this. Do not be afraid. Just believe. And we need to come back and to take a long look at Jesus and to be strengthened by who he is and what he does, to know that he who has not changed is still able to help us today. He is still able to help us. And there may have been so many times when we have come to Jesus, and we felt that when we came, he was distracted because he was looking after somebody else. Somebody else got it. Just like that man who was sitting by the pool, waiting where the waters get stirred. He was in a place like a hospital. There were lots of sick people 
When the waters got stirred, first one down gets the healing. But they're all crippled and lame and hurt and nobody can get there. Nobody can take me, so how can I ever get healed? Listen, let's just come to Jesus afresh. Stir our faith in him afresh this morning. I don't know what it is that's on your heart right now, but I want to say to you, don't be afraid. Just believe. Jesus has not diminished in power. He has the name that is above every other name. And he can meet your need. And he can touch your heart. Let's just go to worship for a few moments.